Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. Good evening. How's everybody? Good, good. That's awesome. That is awesome. It's great to be with you tonight. I want to invite you tonight uh, to, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. I want to take and read these verses 14 through 18. And then I want to take a few minutes, and we won't be, we're not going to be extremely long uh, with things tonight. And I just want to try to encourage you at this, this point. So Hebrews chapter, 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 through 18, it, and it reads like this, Inasmuch then as the children have, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Let me pray. Father, uh, tonight, would you take your word and uh, uh, encourage us? It's a great thought, a great truth to have in our lives as believers to know that Christ is not a high priest, or a savior, or a king that cannot empathize with his people. I'm thankful, God, that he was in all points tempted, yet without sin, as the Bible says. Would you tonight speak to our hearts through your word and do it for your glory in Christ's name? Amen. I've come to, uh, to have something stirred in my heart from the Lord uh, over the last week or so. I, I mentioned it Sunday, and I believe you'll probably hear me mention it a lot over the next days, weeks, months. But something's clicked for me, and the pandemic has helped it. Uh, I mentioned the fact that, that the 
that the, the, the media has driven the pandemic, it has been publicized to us. There are people that are dying every single day of AIDS. As a matter of fact, there are many people dying every day. I don't know the statistics. The reason you don't hear about it is because it's not on our radar. It's not on the media being shown to us. But how many of y'all remember in the 80s? Did we hear about AIDS in the 80s? You better believe it. As a matter of fact, we were scared to sit on a toilet in the 80s. Can I get a witness? Because we were told that if you touch this and you get it, you come in contact, it'll kill you. And it might kill you soon, it might kill you later, but it's going to kill you. And we heard that. And it's bad, right? Nobody in this room wants to contract AIDS. But how many of you have heard anything about AIDS lately? Last 10 years, 20 years? No. But we've heard about the coronavirus. Plenty. It's on our news every single day. Right? And we've been told if you get it, it could take you out of here. And I don't want to get into the debate over whether the coronavirus is what takes people out or not. We can all agree that it don't do you no good to have it. It's, you know, it's, we can't say that there's any good thing that's going to come out of it if you do get it. So we've had this publicized to us in such a way that our world, not just North Carolina, not just America, not just our continent, the entire world has grave concern over the coronavirus. Would you agree with that? I mean, they, they, there's great concern all over the whole world. As a matter of fact, the, greatest, the, the reason that we have such great concern is not that there's a disease out there. It's the fact that you and I can get it, and is a possibility that if we do get it, we could what? We could die. I think that brings around the actual point. It's the fact that we could die. There have been people that have passed away, that have either uh, just from that possibly, or from complications that come from that added to some things that they already had. And so, I just want you to focus on the fact that the reason that this is such a big deal is because it's been publicized. There have been a lot of things throughout our, the history of mankind, even just in the last hundred years, that were serious things. I mean, World War II, serious thing. Can you imagine what it was like to load up and go out onto the, the stage of World War II? I mean, you told everybody goodbye when you were leaving. Why? Because you didn't think you was going to make it back. You're hearing death tolls come in of, of how many people are dying over there. And, and I mean, I guess any war, really, but just think about it. I mean, you, you're to, you, know, you need to tell everybody your last goodbyes because you may not come back. And so that's a somber time, isn't it? I mean, that's a sobering event. To, to know that there are people that you know and you love and people from your country and stuff, and, and there's people dying every single second of every single day. I've been pondering a thought with us as the church. You know, we have 
a mandate from God, right? It is the, to share the gospel. We, we are to go out and we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everybody. We are to baptize people. We are to disciple people. But nobody seems to be bothered about the fact that if they die without Christ, they're going to spend eternity in hell. There doesn't seem to be this grave concern out there, does it? We're more worried about coronavirus than we are about our eternity. Could it be because of the publicity? I mean, could it be just mainly because you can't expect people to do something unless you tell them? I mean, I've had people tell me about communicating here at church. Can't expect somebody to do something they don't know unless they know. I mean, you gotta be, you got to communicate to them. You say, uh, well, man, I tell you what, nobody showed up. Well, did you tell everybody? Because it ain't fair to say that everybody didn't show up unless you actually told everybody. And then, then at that point, they have a responsibility, right, to be there. They make a choice whether they're going to be there or not. It's just like wearing masks. It's just like deciding on whether you're going to go to the grocery store or whether you're going to call in and have them bring it out to your car. You make that decision in life right now. Why? Because you have been given information. Now, granted, whether the information is right or wrong, that ain't on my back. I'm just trying to tell you that we make those decisions based off of the information that we've been given. And so we make those decisions. Who's going to be responsible at the end of the day for the publicizing of the truth about eternity? Who's going to be responsible for that? At the end of the day, for the publicity that should have been given about the fact that if people die without Christ, they're going to spend eternity in hell. We will. Everybody that names the name of Christ that's a Christian, we will stand accountable for that one day. And, and don't hear me wrong. I know that, that, that there are things that go on in our lives every single day that it's like, well, I can't go around at work telling people, hey, if you don't turn, you're going to burn, you know, stuff. That's not what I mean. But if we evaluate our own lives, think about it. If we evaluate our own lives, just how would we evaluate ourselves when it comes to our the way we have been responsible with the gospel as a Christian. How would you evaluate yourself? How would I evaluate me? That, that, would you say that you, if you had a scale of 1 to 10, and 10 being that you knock it out of the park, that you're obedient to God, doesn't mean that you're just going out here on the street corner and preaching or whatever, but you know that you've been obedient to God to do what God's called each and every one of us to do, because how are they going to hear, the Bible says, without a preacher? say, well, that's your job. No, that's our job, a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all of us. We're responsible to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so how would we rate ourselves? You know, I, as a church, um, as a leader in, in, in church life, communication is a, uh, it's an interesting thing. And it's more interesting today than it's ever been. I, I ask for your prayers 
and, and you, you to pray for everybody, not just in our church, but other churches that lead. Because things are so different now. And, and the pandemic has, has even caused a greater shift. There are more folks now that are, that are viewing things online, not just church life. They're doing everything online. There are folks that have not seen their loved ones in over a year because of the potential that, you know, that where they would normally have sit down together and, and hung out, or maybe they've not seen them near as much as they would have, but yet they've called them on the phone, they've texted them, they've messaged them, they've emailed them, they've video chatted, they've, you know, we done all these things. And, and so that's different. So they didn't see each other face to face. Maybe they mailed letters to them. And see, we've got a mandate laid before us. Now, I'll, I'm going to pull, pull in the text here in just a moment just to kind of drop the hammer down on some things. So what do we do as church, in church life? We go, well, you know what? It, it, it's just so difficult. Everybody's got to make their choice. If they want Jesus, they'll just have to come. Do we do that, or do we buckle down and go, God, we're going to take every avenue, everything that you've given us, every tool that we can get our hands on, God, and we're going to, we're going to find out how you communicate with people now, and we're going to take every area of life, and we're going to, we're going to do that. Because see, even just to communicate to church folks, just to communicate something to our church family, to do it well, to do it at its best, guess what you have to do? You got to print it. You got to put it on screens. You got to stand up here in the pulpit and you got to, or in the front of folks and you got to say it to them. You got to put it on Facebook. But everybody ain't on Facebook. You got to put it on Instagram. Everybody on, ain't on Instagram. You got to put it on Pinterest. Everybody ain't on Pinterest. You got to put it on YouTube. Everybody ain't on YouTube. You got to put it on TikTok. You got to put it on whatever. Because everybody's not using the same avenues as others. You got to mail some folks a letter because they don't know what TikTok is from Facebook. All right? It don't make them wrong. That's the world we live in. You say, well, that's too much work. Let's look at the text for just a moment. Verse 14, he says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood... And, and he's talking about there, I want to walk down through this verse just a little bit. That means that there is one flesh and one blood among all people. It don't make no difference what color a man's skin is. You cut him, he's going to bleed what color? Red. That's right. He's going to bleed red. And, and so he's saying that we all have something in common. We all have one flesh that we deal with. We all are uh, of the same blood. We, we, we are all human beings. Then he says, he himself, talking about Christ, shared in the same. Now, that word is interesting. Some people, somebody may have a different word there instead of shared. Does anybody have a different word? It says, what's that now? He too shared in their humanity. Somebody else have a word different than shared? Took part. He himself took part in, I'm going to use both of those, took part in their humanity. And that's what that word actually means. It's a verb that, that, that he took part in our humanity. 
But the, here's, here's what takes it to another level. That is something, and when you, when, you, when you research the word out, that's something that he chose to do that he didn't have to do. That's something that he chose to do that would not have made him any more or any less who he is. That Christ chose to take part. He made of himself uh, of no respect. He came and he came to be born in a fleshly body. As a matter of fact, he specifically came to be born in the fleshly body of a Hebrew man. Why did he do that? He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, and that is the devil. Because God had a righteous requirement. First thing, first reason he did this. God had a righteous requirement that there must be death to set of flesh to satisfy the atonement of sin, to pay for, for the sins. So Christ, he wouldn't in a fleshly body, right? He's spirit. He came to this earth. We call it the incarnation. That Christ came, born of the Virgin Mary, he came and dwelt among us. And he lived in that body that he came and indwelt. And he lived this life so that he might go to the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins, to pay our debt. He chose not only to go to Calvary, he chose to come here and to live in that body. That's and, and, and to, to destroy the power of death, the one that has the power of death, the devil, and to release those, verse 15, through fear of death, uh, wait, to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime sub subject to bondage. That's us. Subject to bondage for all of our lifetime. Why? Because of the fear of death. There's one thing that you and I, and, and, and this is not something that's new to you, there's one thing that you and I cannot escape from. We can do everything we can to try to stay healthy. We can do all we can to try to get procedures done. We can do all we can to try to stay safe, have our homes protected. But one day you and I are going to die. You can't escape that. And see, the pandemic or anything like that brings an awareness to us, does it not? We rock along through our lives, and when there's nothing going wrong, we don't hardly ever think about death, do we? But you let somebody close to you die, and you go to the funeral, guess what happens? What do you think about? You think about the fact that the person that you thought never would die did die. And then you go... Oh, wait a minute. If they died, that means I'll die one day too. And the whole thought process, and at different stages of life, it hits you in different ways, but regardless, from the smallest to the tallest, death will just rattle us. We think about all the things we haven't done, the things we couldn't do, the things we should have done, the things, and we just keep on and on and on. And then we start thinking about how short life is. 
And it's almost like there's this bondage, this slavery to the fact that we are going to die one day. And it says here that He came to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You say, I'm not in bondage to anybody or anything. I didn't write the book. The man who made you wrote the book. He said He came to release us from that. What He's saying there, it seems to me, is that if we are His children, we should be released from that fear. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually tells us, don't fear Him who all He can do is take your life. You need to fear the one that can take your soul and cast you off into eternal punishment. That's who you need to fear. And so we are to be like the immortals. I mean, we are to be invincible. We watch some of these programs. I don't know. Y'all probably don't. Maybe I'm going to hell if I, because I watch them. I don't know. But anyhow, I'm not, but uh, going to. But um, the Avengers and all that stuff, it's amazing, isn't it? And, and it's all the way back to the cowboy movies. It's amazing. The, the good guys are the only guys that can actually shoot accurately. There's like 8 million bullets flying around from the enemy, and this guy's got a pea shooter, and he goes, pat, pat, and 15 guys fall. You know? Did you ever notice anything about the heroes? No matter what's going on, man, they are ready to run into the middle of the battle headstrong, no matter what. Whatever it takes. Why? They're invincible. I mean, they're the hero. Did you know that God birthed us to be heroes? God gave us new life in Jesus Christ. The same God, as a matter of fact, I may read it over again in a minute, but the same God, MacArthur says, that leads us to the grave is the one that leaves us out the backside of the grave if we're His. That means that if we are in Christ, death can't hold us. That we, that's what we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday, is the fact that death couldn't hold Him. The grave had to let him go. And because it had to let him go, if we're in Christ, it can't hold us. And we are to live as if nothing can hurt us outside of God, inside of God's will. That plane, or train, or automobile, or disease, nothing can take you out of here. If you're in God's will ahead of the time that God wants you to leave. But see, we get so focused on living. We get so focused on staying alive. that we. Well, I, I, let me rephrase it. Take all that back. Let me rephrase this. We get so focused on staying alive that we don't live. We get so focused on staying alive that we don't live the life that God wants us to live. The life that He wants us to live is out on the water, walking. The life that He wants us to live is a life that is abandoned to His leadership. Whatever He says is good. 
Wherever He leads, we'll go. Whatever He wants us to accomplish, we know that He's going to provide for everything that we need. And that if we'll just be faithful to Him, at the end of the day, that's all we're looking for is to be faithful to Him. 16 says, For indeed He does not give aid to the angels, but He does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Thanks be unto God that we who are not of Israel now are of Israel, been grafted into the good vine. We've been grafted into Jesus Christ as Gentiles who have been given the opportunity of grace, and now He brings us into the good and true vine in Jesus Christ. And that's why He says, In me you shall bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing, but in me you can bear much fruit. And He says there, that He gives aid to us that He don't even give to the angels. Therefore, in all things, He had to, had to be made like His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that He Himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. In other words, when he came and lived in the flesh of the man Jesus Christ, the God-man, he knows what it's like to stand by a grave of a friend. He didn't have to do that. He chose to come and to feel the things that you and I feel. He knows what it's like to have somebody that you love sick and in a bed because he's had the opportunity because he came when he lived here on this earth to stand there. And granted, I know he's God, and I know even at the tomb of Lazarus when he's talking to Mary and Martha. And Martha, it's like, Martha, he's, he will live, he will be raised again. Oh, I know, Lord, he's going to ra be raised in the resurrection. But, and then he, he looks at her and says, but Martha, you got to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and even in that moment, though, I have to believe that Jesus in his heart has to feel the human grief, the, the grief of humanity, He was in all points tempted. He had to feel the grief of humanity. I don't think he distrusted God. I just think that he felt what we feel. He knows what it's like to see natural disasters happen. He knows what it's like to, 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 to go through the things that you and I go through, and that's what makes him an exceptionally great high priest. You... you don't you just love when somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I know what you're going through, and you go, no, you don't. That's sweet of you, but no, you don't. You don't know. He does. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you feel. I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to be Jesus, but be in the flesh and to walk around knowing the things that he knows, and observing the things that he was observing. I, I, I can't even uh, fathom uh, what that would be like. 
I know what it's like to care about people and to watch them and to see them make bad mistakes and see them make good, uh, good decisions and, and, all, and watch those things happen. But to be of the mind that he was and to be, have the heart of love that he had, knowing he's going to the cross for these very people and the people that would come. And he knows all. And to, and to just put all that together, I can't imagine. I mean, I, it even tells us in Scripture that he stood over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. He said, Old Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you in as a mother hen gathers in her brood, but you would not. And he stood there in a flesh and blood body and wept tears over what he was experiencing in grief because of the ones that would not come to him. And here he is, the one that's offering them everlasting life. He did that so that you and I and all those others that would come to faith in Christ and have come to faith in Christ so that we might be partakers of His kingdom. And He gives us commands that He wants us to take and accomplish. Goals, tasks. That we are to go into all the world and we are to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder where you rank yourself, and I wonder where I rank myself in that. You say, well, should we be ranking ourselves? I think we should evaluate ourselves. Uh, let me read. I, I don't want to miss this. These, these are a couple of good things. Huh? Um, he, I wanna, let me read a couple of things about what we just talked about. MacArthur says, he wanted to feel everything we feel so that he could be a merciful and understanding as well as a faithful high priest. He came not only to save us, but to sympathize with us. He's been there before you. Uh, matter of fact, he says, remember, this is what he was saying about some words that he shared with Timothy uh, as a matter of fact, in, he, he reminds Timothy, remember Jesus Christ in his humanity, Timothy. Remember that whoever you, uh, where, wherever you may go, he has been there before you. You can get down on your knees when the going gets tough and you can pray, Lord, you know what you went through when you were here. I'm going through it now. And he'll say, yes, I know. So see, I just say that to say that everything that's going on in our lives, there's nothing that gives us an excuse not to press on. There's nothing in our lives that gives us an op opportunity to excuse ourselves. I know we have times in our lives that change, in seasons that change things, and we may not be able to do certain things that we could at other times maybe because of physical restraints, maybe because of emotional things that have happened, and maybe there's some situations, job situations, and things, they, they change. We never get an exit from the commission. We never get to not be doing the Great Commission, but there are times in our lives when we can be more effective than others. That's why uh, Paul said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, if you can handle not getting married you can be a whole lot more effective for the kingdom of God. You can do a whole lot more stuff. 
And you understand that, don't you? What he's saying is, the more responsibilities you take on in your life, and marriage is a great responsibility, the more, more responsibilities you take on in your life, and God expects you to be responsible for them, the less freedom you have to go in to serve. That's simply what he's saying. So there are things in our lives that change the amount that we can be faithful in, or say be faithful, the, the amount that we can actually go out and we can do in our ministry, sometimes it's at home a little more than it is out. And, and, but life changes. It won't always be like that. But in nowhere in it, and I, I, even the folks watching online, I want you to hear this. Nowhere in this do we get the excuse to let happen what has already happened. What has happened, preacher? We have let other things take the stage in this world. And now the greatest pandemic problem that we have in this world is coronavirus, when the truth of the matter is, the greatest pandemic that there's ever been or ever will be is the pandemic of sin. And you and I have got to publicize that. As men and women of, uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is our job to let everybody know it should be of the utmost priority. What would it be like if, if CNN and NBC and Fox and everybody, every night they were telling folks, there's this dreadful disease called sin. And you die at, with sin, then you will spend all of eternity in punishment separated from God. And every night on the 7 o'clock news, on the 10 o'clock news, every night it is drilled into us. And now we don't have 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's 24-7, 24-7. On these news channels, it's drilled in. You better get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. Because when you die, and you don't know when you're going to die, that you're, you don't have the cure, which is Jesus Christ, what would life be like in this world if that was going on? You see, there was a point in time when that story was the headline news. There was a point, and there have been points and times throughout history when that was headline news that people feared to be in the hands of the living God without forgiveness. And we have taken and turned a culture that says, you don't need to fear God. God loves all of you. It's going to be okay. Jesus he, he's our buddy. If he was here today, he'd sit down at the bar with us and pop a top, drink him a cold one with us. That's what we've turned it into. And even now to the point where people just say, I want y'all to shut up about that stuff. And so what are we going to do? I mean, honestly, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down, we're going to shut up about it? You see, because we're going to stand before him one day. And we're going to give an account for whether we have or whether we hadn't. I don't know what that's going to look like. I really don't. I don't know what that's, I don't know. You say, well, long as I get to go to heaven. See, that's the attitude of believers in most cases, not all cases. That's the attitude of believers. And you say, that's not what I believe, but is that what we live? Whether we... 
You, you know, because what we actually flesh out proves what we truly believe, right? It's kind of the proof. So if we're apathetic about the things of God and we don't follow after Him, see, that's why He says that if you do love me, you will follow my commandments. That means if you don't follow His commandments, guess what? You don't love Him. I mean, we say that He's rescued us, and we know that this time on earth is temporal, right? And we say that He's rescued us from the power of death, the grip of and sting of the grave and death and hell, and we just we are so excited about the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. But what does our life say? Does our life testify the fact that we believe in that what he said is true and that we want to face when we face him one day, we want to be right by him. We want to hear him say, Good, well done, good and faithful servant. Or are we going to go to heaven holding our head down in shame? You say, that's not what heaven's about. You need to read this book. That's why there are many in that day, and it's kind of tricky because in some ways I say tricky, but the Bible says that you can't confess Jesus unless the Spirit leads you to confess Jesus, right? But then there's going to be people on that day that say, that profess Him, but He's going to say, he's going to, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in Your name and that in Your name? He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. See, there is a profession with your lips, and then there is a profession from the heart. There is a profession from the life that you live out that He is actually Lord, that, that, that Christ is not just your Savior, your get-out-of-hell-free card, because if He's not Lord, He's not Savior. And for Him to be Lord, that means that He is our Master. He is the one that calls all the shots of our lives. That everything that we do, we run it by Him. It's taken me a little while to get to the place in my life to where that means something to me. But now when I sit down and I talk to folks, they go, I'm trying to make a decision. I said, what does God say do? Well, I just want, I'm like, what, what is God telling you to do? I'm not your God. You're not my God. Well, I think I ought to go do that. Well, if God tells you to do that, it seems like a stupid thing to me for you to do. But if God said to go do it, you better go do it. But if God don't want you to do that, you better not. But do we live our lives like that? That we get approval from God for everything that we're doing? That we, we, we ask God about every aspect of our lives. No, God, you say, I, God just don't talk to me like that. Here again, it's the same illustration, and I'll just end with that illustration as I had in the second service, I think it was Sunday morning. A guy and his gal in the pickup truck. She's over at one door, he's at the other door, he's driving down the road. She looks over at him and says, Honey, I remember when we were so close, people couldn't tell if they was one or two in the truck. He looked over and said, Babe, I ain't going nowhere. God's not gone anywhere. 
And if we can't hear him, is it God's fault or is it our fault for not being close enough to him, not being in his word, not, not having spiritual disciplines to read his word and to pray and to meditate and, and to, to seek after uh, serving him. And, and sometimes you'll hear it just when you're serving God but that we have these disciplines in our lives or do we go about our lives so busy that everything's so clouded and it's almost like trying to pick up an AM radio station in the middle of the night. It's nothing but static. It just ain't making connection. I, I, God, do you know that the trend, the potential trend right now for revival in the United States of America they're saying is going to happen in churches just like the this right here. Going to happen in churches. It's, there, there's a couple of dynamics there. Churches that are focused on reaching their communities. Uh, churches that have not given up because of the fact that they've sold out and they're not. They've not given up preaching the gospel. That, it, that there, there is going to be a shift in some things and, and all, and that they're, they're seeing the potential right now of God setting up some amazing things in what people would call smaller churches out around communities and stuff instead of in a massive arena of people, especially the ones that have compromised and sold themselves out to critical race theory and everything else that comes down the pike. You know what that means? It simply means that if you stay faithful to God, then God will take care of what He's going to do with your faithfulness. Just because you're plowing in a field and you don't see the fruit of plowing in that field, it don't mean you stop plowing. Anybody that's put their hands to the plow, the Bible says, and looks back is not worthy for the kingdom of God. So we put our hands to the plow, and we plow. And we just continue to plow, continue to plow, and continue to plow. I just think we need to get better at plowing. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us, and so we look forward to hearing from you.
you, glad he loves you. Love the world so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.